0: John chapter 20, if you would, have, if you have a Bible, join me there. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. We're in this series we, we've been calling SENT. SENT, living this mission of Jesus. And Jesus in his conversation with the disciples, he's already been on the cross, he's come back to life, and his disciples are kind of huddled in this room, maybe fearing for their own lives because their leader was just killed. Now is it us? Are we next? And Jesus shows up, the risen living Jesus shows up inside this, this room of fearful disciples and he says to them, peace, peace be with you. Peace. And then he says this statement. He says, As the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. I'm sending you. You get to play. Involved in God's plan for bringing redemption and transformation to people's souls is you. You get to play in this mission that Jesus has and that God has. Jesus is looking at He's like, you and saying, You have a part to play in this. I'm sending you. And as we've been talking about, we understand, I think at this point, that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're also a missionary. You've been sent. Jesus has sent you. And the question that we've been asking is, so how do I live this sent life every day? How do, how do I live this in every day? And over the past several weeks, we've looked at, well, you know, one of the ways God intends us to live sent in everyday life is through our everyday work, through our work. Simple as just... Being a person of integrity in the workplace or or just telling a coworker that you're praying for them. And I shared a story of, of Christian Rosewell and how he just shared recently with a coworker, he said, Hey, I'm praying for you. Well, there's more to this story now. Christians having an opportunity to to talk to this this coworker even more about Jesus. They're going through a Bible study book together and he's it's amazing. And it just started with him at telling a coworker, Hey, I'll pray for you about that. God expects us to live sin through our work, our everyday work. And then last Sunday we looked at one of the ways God intends us to live sin is in our everyday homes. We challenged, challenged us, right, as a church to spend ten minutes in Scripture together. As a family or as a couple or on your own with friends, whatever. Ten minutes of reading the Scripture, singing a song and praying together. It's been great to hear some of the stories of different people that took up that challenge last week. And we took up that challenge as well. And it's like I said, it's a battle sometimes to live sent. But one of the ways we live sent is through our everyday work. Another way that we live this sent life Jesus has called us to is is through our everyday homes. And this morning, I want to share with you as we wrap up this series today, another way that Jesus intends us to live sent. One of the ways that Jesus intends us to live sent in everyday life is through everyday generosity. Everyday generosity. Now let me say this. I want to affirm you as a church. I want to affirm you. You are the most, that church that I've been around in my 43, almost 43 years of church life, the most generous, giving people I've ever known. Seriously, I'm not just seriously. And by generous, you know, generous with your time, generous with your skills and your talents, I mean, for our living kids, Kathy Myers was telling me we have over 30 people within our church family who volunteer regularly to serve with living kids. That's crazy for our size of church. The amount of, of setup teams that volunteer, the guys that set up the, the, the comm and, and give of their time, amazing. You, you're so generous. There are lots of shapes and sizes. I was thinking about this. Generosity is like, like body types, right? It's all kinds of shapes and sizes, Right. It is. There's all kinds of shapes and sizes and generosity is like like body types. Right. You have the shape and size of of your time of generosity, of the shape and size of your skills or your talents. But there's another shape of generosity that we need to talk about. And it's the shape of financial generosity. I can see it. Right. The guard. Dude, here we go. Church is going to bring it. He's going to talk about giving money. Okay, listen. I can, I can tell you this. This is the first time in the five years as a church that I've ever given a strict message. I mean, not straight, but just devoted the entire message about money. First time. I'm not saying that as a pat on the back. Let me confess to you something. You know why I haven't? Because I've been afraid. I've been afraid. And I confess that to you. Because I know the moment we start talking about, we talk about work, talk about home. Now we talk about the wallet. Hello. All kinds of misunderstandings. All kinds of thoughts go up in people's. And I get that. And I have not talked about it because of fear. And I'm confessing that to you this morning. Because I know what. as soon as we start talking about financial generosity, the guards go up, the excuses come up, the reasons come up, and some of us have been burnt in the past. Right? We just have. But as I've been praying about this and looking at this sent life, I have to talk about this. We have to. Because if I don't talk to us as a church, equip us as a church, I'm not feeding you what you need in order to live this life Jesus has called you to live. I'm not. I'm withholding something from you that you need to be equipped in so that you can truly live this intentional sent life that Jesus calls you to live and calls us to live. And... When we talk about financial generosity, it's actually an opportunity for us and for you to express your love to Jesus. And for me to not give you that opportunity, shame on me. Shame on me. So this morning, as much as I would love personally to not talk about this, we're going to talk about it. All right? And we're just going to talk about this financial generosity. Because one way that Jesus disciples lived sent in everyday life was through their everyday generosity. So this morning, I want to share with you one principle, four observations, all right? One principle about generosity, four observations that we see in Scripture about generosity. I want to give you one example, all right, of this generosity and how it links to Jesus' mission, then I want to challenge us at the end. Okay, so 1411, that's where we're going this morning. Here's the principle. The principle is this: God's people are a financially generous people. That's the principle. That's the truth. God's people are a financially generous people. If you have a Bible, go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, this morning. We're going to be in several different passages. Alright, Deuteronomy chapter 15. We see God instructing His Old Testament people to be a generous people, a generous people. In Deuteronomy chapter fifteen, verse eleven. Now they're His people; they're coming into the land that He's promised them. They're settling in as their community, as His community of people. And then this is what He says to them. One of the instructions He gives to them is this. In Deuteronomy fifteen eleven, He says, "For they will never cease to be poor in the land." Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. He says, one of the things that I want you to be as my people is that I want you to be a generous people. I want you to open your hand. I just want you to open your hand. I want you to open your hand and that there's needy among you and, and you need to give them food from your crops. You need to do that. And if that means you lose some, so be it. You are to be a generous people. You're mine. And one mark of my people, God says, is that they're generous. They're generous. They're a generous people. Jesus echoes this in Matthew chapter 6. So go with me to, to Matthew chapter 6. So here we have God communicating with his Old Testament people that they're to be a generous people. And then in Matthew chapter 6, I love what Jesus says here. He's contrasting, if you will, a, a new way of life, he's, he's contrasting those who follow him with those who are just religious. And there are motives behind being generous. And in Matthew chapter six, there's so much here, but there's one thing that I want us to see here. And in Matthew chapter six, he says this, verses one through five, Jesus is speaking. He says, "Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now check out verse 5. He says, and when you pray, verse 6, but when you pray... All right, in verse 7, and when you pray. Why am I bringing that out? Because Jesus assumes just as much as he expects and assumes that you're going to pray, he assumes you're going to give. He says, "When you pray, when you give." It's the it's it's an assumption. It's an expectation that Jesus has for his followers. Is that just as he assumes that you're going to talk to him in prayer, he assumes you're going to be generous. You're going to give. He says the same thing about giving that he says about prayer, when you pray, when you give. So the principle is this, that Jesus, God has always expected and assumed his people to be a generous people, a financially generous people. Now let me give you some observations about generosity and God's people. And for those observations, I want to take you to one of Paul's letters, the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul is writing this letter to a group of, church, group of churches, group of Christians living in the city of Corinth, all right, in Europe. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is where we're going to pick it up. Now, here's the setting. Here's the situation. The, the church, the early church is buzzing. I mean, it's booming. People are coming to know Jesus left and right. Disciples of Jesus everywhere. It's just growing crazily. And some of those disciples lived in the Middle East in the city, in the city of Jerusalem, And a lot of the disciples, the churches in Jerusalem, were poor. They were suffering financially, all right? And there were churches hundreds of miles away in Asia that were taking up an offering to help the Christians in Jerusalem, all right? So you have the Christians in Jerusalem, they're needy, they need help financially, they're suffering, they're struggling, You have churches in Asia who are saying, we're hearing that need. We're going to help them. We're going to take up a collection. We're going to help them. Paul, here in his letter to the Christians in Corinth, says, hey, I heard you guys also want to jump into that offering. I've been hearing that. And he inspires, and he kind of not inspires, but he encourages I want you to follow through with that. I want you to follow through with that thought, that desire to to join the churches in Asia, to help the the churches in Jerusalem. Okay, That's the situation. And that's why Paul's writing this here in in chapter 8. I just kind of want to follow along, then I'll make some observations along the way. Four observations. The principle, God's people are to be a financially generous people. And here we see this lived out. We want you to know, brothers, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. You will see that multiple times in this passage, Paul refers to grace. This act of grace. And what he's, the first observation I want us to see about generosity as a disciple of Jesus is generous giving is a response that flows out of having received God's generous grace. It's a response. He says, these, these Macedonian churches, they've received the grace of God. We want you to know about the grace of God that's been given to them. God has given them His grace, and the response of having received His grace is their generosity in giving. Is their generosity in giving. And then in verse 6 and 7, he refers to this, this physical act of giving financially. He refers to it as an actual act of grace. It's an action of grace. Now, you've got to understand, these churches in Macedonia were dirt poor. They were poor. Yet, look at verse 2. He says, for it was their, out of their abundance of joy. They were, they were so excited to give. And verse 4 says, they were begging earnestly for an opportunity to help these other christians and they gave not only out of their means but even beyond their means why because they had received the amazing grace of jesus and they couldn't help but be generous they were they were recipients of god's generous grace and as a result of it, they're like wow, look what god's done for me look at what he's given me how could i not be generous one of the things that we love to do as family, go to the beach. I love the ocean. That's vacation for me, is at the ocean. And one of the things, if you've ever been there, is when the tide comes in and then the tide goes out, sometimes it leaves those little pools, those kind of natural pools, you know what I'm talking about? And then when your kids are little, they just kind of sit. Or maybe they're not little. Maybe, like, you mean you sit in there, just like, this is awesome, right? Get all this. And they just sit in that little pool that the tide made, right? Well, that tide was formed because of the ocean that came in. It was a natural response to the overflowing ocean that came in. And the natural response of someone that's received the overflowing grace of God is generosity. It's just a natural response. And so then we have to ask ourselves, well, if I'm not generous, or what's that look like? Or, then we need to really think, have I really, am I really diving deep into the grace that God's given me? You see, one of the observations about generosity in Jesus' disciples is it flows. It's a, it's a response that comes from having received God, having received His Son, having been, been saved by Jesus Christ. And that leads to the second observation that generous giving, the motivation, is the generosity of Jesus in the gospel. Look at verse 9 in, in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. He says this, he's talking to the Corinthians now and he says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor so that you by His poverty might become rich. Paul's pointing them to the generosity of the person of Jesus in the Gospel. That's where he's pointing them. He's saying, listen, look at Jesus, Corinthians. Look at Him. Let Him be the motivation for why you help these Christians in Jerusalem. Look at Him. Listen, I get emails... Let me back up. What Paul's trying to say is, listen, the greatest motivation for our generosity is Jesus and the gospel. And you know what bugs me? Here's what bugs me. Can I give you a little personal rant here? I get emails all the time from different ministries, whatever, church, whatever, ministry organizations. About Here's how you can help your church fundraise. Here's how you can make money for this. Here's how you can supply this for your church. It ticks me off. Can I tell you Why? If we need another motivation other than the gospel, shame on us. The church of Jesus should never have a giving problem because of who Jesus is. I'm not saying that about you. I'm just saying that across the board. This is about the gospel. This is about Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us. Listen, being a generous giver is not determined by the size of your bank account. Paul tells us it's determined by the size of your Jesus. And how big your Savior is. And oftentimes, if you're like me, listen, I worry about finances. I, I mean, all the just like you. And when I do that, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Remember early in our marriage, Andrea and I were at a mall, and we were walking through the mall. We're about ready to exit the mall. Right? And am she's talking to me and I'm totally engaged with her. Right. And somehow while uh, we were walking, we got off path right, to the exit door, and it was all glass. And she's talking, and I'm walking, and we just get. Like, I mean, I just. I thought it was the door. It wasn't. All right, and I'm just was totally engaged. But she's not a bad thing for I mean, I, I'm engaged with her, right? I mean, this is awesome. But I just got off track. We somehow we got going late, and then we went like this. Ryder's just like, yeah, yeah. Poof. I mean, I just clocked that thing. Hurt like crazy. And then there's a little breezeway, right? So we walk through. I'm totally embarrassed. I'm looking around. We walk through the breezeway, and there's this little old lady just sitting there. She's like. Oh, uh. <laughs> right. I'm like, you don't know, want half of it. Right? I didn't say that, right? But but sometimes when it comes to being generous, we, we're looking at the wrong thing, and something gets in the way. And it's this: I'm not looking at Jesus. I'm looking at whatever you know, all this other stuff, the needs. And I'm not saying those other needs aren't important, and we need to address those. Paul wrote and said, "Listen, if you don't provide for your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever." Think on that. Chew on that a little bit. So we need to provide, right? But he's saying, listen, Paul's saying the focus, the motivation behind our giving is it's Jesus. And the more clearly you're looking at Jesus, the more generous you will become. That's Paul's point. The more generous you'll become, you'll follow through on this. And if the gospel is not enough motivation for us to be generous in our giving, then I don't think we understand the gospel. Third, observation. Generous giving results and generous gratitude toward God. And this is in his next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. Paul's again reminding them about giving and he's encouraging them to follow through on this desire of their heart to help these Christians that are struggling financially. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, he says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Again, there's the motivation. The motivation for our generosity is the gospel. If you confess the gospel, you're going to be generous in your giving. And he says one of the, the other pools that comes out of this is, is gratitude toward God. Listen, you know, there's all kinds of expressions of worship. We sing, we lift our hands, and one expression That God receives worship is through our giving. It's an expression of worship. It is. And He's saying God's going to be glorified because what you're going to do is you're going to give and it's going to meet someone's need. And maybe that person's been praying for God to supply that need. And then they're going to get it. And they're going to be like, God, you did it. You could, through your giving, are an answer to someone else's prayer. We've experienced that over and over in our family. I remember coming back from Ireland, and we're like, man, I don't know how we're going to pay for this bill, and I didn't have a job, and all this stuff, and man, we'd get stuff in the mail, checks in the mail. We'd been praying for God to provide, and we'd take it home, and we just, as a family, I'll never forget, Grant, when he was little, calling me while I was starting this job with Office Pride, and we'd been praying, we had a huge need that needed a huge bill to be paid, and we would tell our kids, we'd get us praying together, and Grant calls me while I'm out on this service call, and I'm like, I'm talking to the Lord, and Grant's like, Dad, we got this check in the mail, and it's going to pay the bill. And we're like, yeah, it's awesome. God is awesome. And God receives worship through our giving. It's, an observ- it's one of the pools that forms from being generous and our giving, motivated by the gospel. The fourth observation is this. The primary recipients of the generous giving of God's people are God's people. Not the only recipients. But but the primary recipients, all right, if you look at chapter 8, verse 4, he says this is for the relief of the saints, the relief of the saints. And then if you read Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 6, a lot of the generosity of the giving went to other disciples of Jesus to meet their needs, and Paul even wrote in Galatians 6.10, he said, As you have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of, are of the household of faith. Remember Jesus said, he said this, in John 13.35, he said, Here's how people are going to know that you're my disciples. Remember, remember those words he said? Here's how they're going to know, by your love for one another. How you take care of each other. How you meet to each other's needs. And it's through that, that my love, my generous grace, my generous gospel is going to be on display. And the primary recipients of of the generous giving of God's people were other disciples of Jesus. They weren't the only recipients. And sometimes it concerns me. I'm just going to share my heart. I love the local church. I love it. I love the global church. And sometimes my heart breaks that the church is not a big enough cause for people to give to. Just being honest. It's just not saying you guys per se, but sometimes there's all kinds of things that we give to and all kinds of, we get the calls all the time. But listen, Jesus, God sent his son for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And in Romans 8.32, it says this, if God did not spare his own son, he's gonna take care of us. He's got you. See, it's all about Him. It's all about his generous grace and love toward us. And the primary recipient of the generous giving of God's people are God's people. I want to show you an example of this in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. An example of the generosity of God's people and Jesus' mission. The Jerusalem church is taken off, it's these Christians that were suffering later on that we were just referencing, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Peter gets up, preaches this amazing message. Thousands of people come to know Christ, become new disciples of Jesus. And I want you to look at their response. Verse 42, "...they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common." And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So here you have 3,000 plus new disciples of Jesus. What are they doing? They're selling their stuff. They're not just donating their stuff. They're not just going to Goodwill, donating it. They're selling their stuff and they're getting the money from their sales and they're distributing the proceeds. That's why we're not just generous people, we're financially generous people because they're selling, they're actually selling their stuff and they're taking the money that they get from their stuff and it's the money they're sending. It's not that we don't give away our stuff, but sometimes we need to give financially to the cause, to the kingdom that Jesus has called us to be a part of. And what you see here, what's amazing to me is the link between their generosity and the growth of the church. The link between their generosity and the growth of the church. It says they had favor with all the people. So again, here they are, they're selling their stuff, they're meeting each other's needs, they're, they're paying, maybe helping each other pay each other's bills, and people are looking at this, they're watching the generosity of these Jesus people, and they're like, there's something attractive about these people and how they care for each other. It's amazing. It's crazy. Why do they do this? And as a result, people are seeing that generosity and what they're really seeing is a generous love and grace of Jesus. And they want to know who this Jesus is that motivates them to give like this. And as a result, many see the love of Jesus and they're gripped by the fact that they don't know this Jesus personally and they come and they become disciples and followers of Jesus. And as the church lived generously... They were putting the generous love and grace and gospel of Jesus on display. Now, one of the things as a family, we we encourage our kids to give. We encourage them to give financially. We don't make them do that, but we encourage them to do that. And I asked Grant if I could share this story. Grant, as some of you know, works at Chick-fil-A. Works a few hours a week. Gets his paycheck. Always, like clockwork, takes 10% out, puts it in the bank. We've encouraged him to do it. Never told him to do it. Never don't command it. Don't penalize them if they don't. All right, and he's always done it. And you know, now I, you know I usually end up going to the bank with him, and I'm a co-person on the account. and All this jazz. Well, one time he couldn't go with me to the bank, and we go to the same bank all the time, U.S. Bank and Anderson. And usually it's a lot of the same tellers, and we've spent time we've gotten to know them and their names and all this stuff. Well, this particular time I was depositing Grant's check. And I had the he had filled out the slip and everything, and so I go up to the teller and she obviously knows who I am. Grant's not with me, and and it's, he always gets this crazy weird change back, right? Because it's ten percent. So I was like, I don't know, but it's just weird what he gets back, okay? And the tellers are, they're you know, I know they're thinking like, what? Hey, this weird kid gets this weird change back all the time? Because he's like, you know, it's Grant. I mean, specifically ten percent. I mean, it's always all right. It's awesome. And I remember handing her the deposit slip, and it had this change back. It was just really unique, weird change. And she's like, Can I ask you something? Sure. She's like, Why does he always get this weird change back? (laughs) I said, Can I tell you why? Because he loves his church and he loves his Jesus. (laughs) And that's why. And you know what she did? And I wasn't crying, she started crying. She started crying. She's like, I've never met a kid like him who is so committed to that. And you know what? She saw, she didn't see Grant, she saw Jesus. She saw the generous love of the gospel. And yes, he's my kid, and I'm super proud of him, all my kids. But what encouraged me more than anything that morning, that day, was that through his generosity, She saw the generosity and love of Jesus. And that's one way you and I can live sent in everyday life is through our everyday generosity. And it looks different, right? Different shapes and sizes. But God has always intended his people to be a financially generous people. And he has always connected the generosity of his people with the mission of his gospel. Rodney Stark wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. He is not a Christian. And he did research, and as a historical professor, he did research on the rise of Christianity. And listen to what he said about the generosity of the first church, those first few centuries, and the church. He says, At a time when welfare and social security and health care plans did not exist... The church was essential in providing such aid. They looked after not only their own, but those outside their community as well. The Roman emperors recognized, however reluctantly, that Christians filled a role that they were not effectively filling, meaning the the government leaders. And individuals were attracted to the security of the church, afforded and likely curious about what it was that inspired such generosity. Catch that. Individuals were attracted to this church. And people were curious because of their generosity. And so people were going, why do you care for each other like this? Why do you give like this? Because of Jesus. How can we not because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross? And so many times we're running into these walls that keep us and excuses that keep us from being financially generous. Listen, it's about... Jesus, it's not about us, it's about Him, it's about worship, it's about expressing our hearts of worship to Him. And one day, Jesus looks at His disciples and He says, When you give, and He's saying, Listen, you've been sent. And one way I want you to live sent, church, in everyday life is through your everyday generosity. And I want to affirm you and I want to say, Keep being generous because Jesus is being made known through your generosity. I want the band to come and I just wanted to think through this a little bit as a church this morning. I want to challenge you. One principle, God's people are a financially generous people. Four observations. Our generosity flows out of the grace of God. It flows through the generosity of Jesus. It provides a response of gratitude to Him and the church is the primary recipients of this generosity and Jesus has always linked this generosity with His mission. So let me ask you a question. As you, we live sin, as you live sin in everyday life, what does everyday generosity look like for you? What's it look like for you? All right? Here's what, here's what I want to challenge us to do this morning. All right? I want you to think about that question. You have a note card, and as they begin playing... I want you to think about that question. What's everyday generosity look like for you? All kinds of shapes and sizes. It can involve giving to this church family that you're a part of. Maybe you haven't been giving and maybe you're like, you know what? That's what God's impressing upon me. I need to start giving here. Maybe it's Compassion International taking on a child and, and helping them and providing $30, $40 a month to help a, a, a family in a third world know who Jesus is. I don't know. Maybe there's needs in your living community and you know about them and you know God's been kind of holding you... I mean, been pressing upon you to, to help their... What's it look like for you? What's everyday generosity look like for you? I want you to think about that. And I want you to answer that question on that note card. You're not turning these in. We're not going to... Exp- okay, none of that. This is between you and Jesus. What's Jesus saying to you this morning about everyday generosity? What's he saying to you? And as you're doing that, I want to put, put this into practice tangibly. This is our last Sunday here at the hotel. And there's a, a young woman who has been incredibly helpful to us in our two years here, and her name is Wilhelmina. All right? Wilhelmina, raise your hand. All right? Stay there for a moment. I'll bring up in a second. All right? She has been incredibly gracious to us as a church. All right? And one of the things we want to do is we want to bless her this morning with our generosity. All right? We want to bless her with our generosity. All right, I know you didn't come prepared for this. She has no idea what's coming, okay? But I was talking to Wilhelmina and she's having back surgery coming up soon. I just want to encourage us to be tangible in our generosity this morning, all right? And if you would like to help meet some needs there, then what we're going to do is we have a couple of these little makeshift plates, okay? We're just going to pass those around through the aisles as we sing this song as a way to just bless this friend of ours. To put this generosity in action this morning. But as we sing this song, as a band sings this song, what's generosity look like for you this morning?